fantasy player option. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! What up and welcome in in the place to be. Just snagged a touchdown from the MVP. Whether home league or standard or PPR, we'll give you insights to take you real far. But we live to have fun and we do it for the game. It's that ground and pound look as we move the chains. Bringing hype or the ha-has when you're on the go. Tune in and grab a seat because it's the FPO. Welcome into the FPO podcast. You have Kanan, Sam, and Tanner as usual. We are the hosts for this show, and we're going to jump in right away because, boys, heads are rolling this week. Um, I didn't make any money. You know, we're out here giving advice for DFS. And, okay, I, I got to admit, I take part of the blame because I forgot to a, submit a Saturday lineup. But what was up with the Browns-Chiefs game? Why was that not making me as much money as we anticipated what's going on i don't know man patrick mahomes just uh decided he would get a concussion and go out and uh he looked like he took a he looked like he took a haymaker from like floyd mayweather or someone he like dropped instantly. it didn't even okay i i've watched it a few times it didn't even look that bad it literally right. looked like it was like the reverse of like a typical concussion where like you know, someone's coming in and hits him in the head really hard, but it like looked like someone pulled his head and then he just, his like he just lost consciousness and was just like stumbling all over the place. It was weird know. for sure. I think um, a lot of times though, I think what it is with the concussion sometimes it's just a whiplash. So maybe that's what it was. Who knows? But um, yeah, it, it's it, that that didn't help the DFS lineups at all. Also, if you if you watch that game, they just both teams failed to convert in the red zone. That is always going to kill a DFS lineup if you're stacking a game. So that was a huge factor as well, just the lack of conversion in the red zone. And like we talked about last week, I mean, the teams left in the playoffs here are designed to win both offensively and defensively. So it's just hard to predict game strip, honestly, in the playoffs. Definitely. Dude, all I know is also, Sam Darnold is probably pissed that no one's making jokes about Pat Mahomes seeing ghosts after that one. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Yeah, man. Hey, but one one thing I will say, so I was way off on uh, Austin Hooper being good last week. I mean, I don't know, man. He looked like a really good play, but I will say, though, that Patrick Mahomes was in the uh, Millie Maker last week, and we, we did say that Aaron Jones and Cam Makers were good plays last week, and they were both in the Millie Maker as well. What I didn't know was that Alan Lazard was going to come out of nowhere, and also Traquan Smith, who hadn't played in weeks. Right. And he just came onto the scene and scored 23.5 DF uh, DraftKings points. So Right, and that's uh, just that's just DFS for you. It's gambling. Yeah. And, and with the Hooper play, essentially what happened was Njoku took yeah. that spot. So if if you were if you're playing Browns tight ends and you played the right one in Njoku, that was a great value pick. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Yep. All right, so enough about how I lost money this past week. Now let's move on to how we're going to make money this week with the games right. coming up. Less games, less players to choose from. What are we thinking? All right, so there's a lot of strategies you can go with this week, but if you're going to play some DFS, this is what you're going to do. You're going to open DraftKings. You're going to go to the Millie Maker. You're going to submit a lineup 
You're going to go to the tight end position and you're going to select Travis Kelsey and you win. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. I'm just kidding. I mean, kind of though. I mean, essentially, I don't really know of any other tight ends that we can play this week. Maybe Robert Tunyon, but like Travis Kelsey is an absolute must play this week. And Travis Kelsey's total output output is similar to wide receivers. So like, I think if you want to play a tight end in the flex this week, I think it's going to be very viable. And Robert Tunyon is going to be one of those players, as well as, you know, if you want to play Rob Gronkowski and hope for a touchdown or even Dawson Knox, like I said last week, I think those are some good plays. Um, what are you looking at, Tana, this week for DFS? Yeah, um, so the first thing that I'm looking at is I think that if Patrick Mahomes plays, that Buffalo KC is probably the game to stack. And even if Patrick Mahomes does not play, I think that the Buffalo stack is the most viable with Absolutely. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and whatever secondary receiver that you want to play. I think beyond that, it gets a little murky. And I would say that at running back, I like Ronald Jones a lot this week. He's only 4600 And prices are a little bit weird this week just because there's so few players to choose from. But it's still a good price for this week. And the reason why I think that Ronald Jones has a comeback week this week is because last week it was sort of a split backfield between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. But that was mostly because Ronald Jones didn't get a lot of practice. He was coming off injury. And during the season, the coaching staff in Tampa was very clear that Ronald Jones is the guy and Leonard Fournette is not the guy. I mean, during the season, Leonard Fournette at, at times was a healthy scratch. So if Ronald Jones is close to 100%, which he will be, um, I think he's a great steal for that price at 4600 um, that, that that's one play that I feel really good about. Other than that, like I said, Buffalo stack, and it's almost like you're trying to figure out what the deals are this week. Um, that's sort of the way that I'm looking at it. I'm stacking Buffalo and then I'm just trying to see where can I get my salary savers and still have high output. For sure. And I, I will agree that running backs this week are very straightforward. I mean, you're going to play Aaron Jones and, Although I, I do agree with you on Ronald Jones, and I hate to say it, like it makes me want to just puke in my mouth saying that <laughs> Ronald Jones is going to have a good week because I just, I am, a, I am a Ronald Jones hater at heart, and I love Leonard Fournette. So it's been, it's kind of, it's hurt me this year watching that happen. But I do think it's kind of a toss up, though. I mean, yes, yeah. Ronald Jones has come back, but there were times in that game that it looked like Ronald Jones was kind of like pulling up that he still wasn't 100% healthy. Right. So I think it's going to be one of the two of them. You know, and Ronald jo- Ronald Jones is cheaper, so I, I, you know, that's a very good argument to go with him. But right. I do think it's going to be you just play the running backs in the Tampa Bay Green Bay game, and you just avoid all the running backs in the other game. For sure, um, yes. I guess if Clyde edwards elaire sits, Daryl Williams is an interesting play because he did get a decent amount of work last week. So that's mm-hmm. about the only other running back that I would consider. But I am on the same page that I think. Buffalo KC is the stack to go with. Um, are you interested in Chad, Chad Henney if Patrick Mahomes sits, Tanner? That's a great question. I think the answer is no for me because he's not that much cheaper than the rest of the quarterbacks. Like, he is definitely cheaper. Don't get me wrong. He's a thousand cheaper than Tom Brady, and a thousand dollars isn't nothing, but. I mean, we're talking about Chad Henney here. He hasn't yep. been a starter in so long. And for me, saving $1,000 when you have the rest of the guys as 
all pro caliber QBs, it's just not worth the thousand of saving money. So I'm not interested in Chad Henney at all. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. If Patrick Mahomes sits, because this this week really rides on the fact that Patrick Mahomes, whether he's playing or not, and based on what I know, it's still very much up in the air. And, you know, personally, I think he's going to play just based on the caliber of the game. And maybe it's controversial, but, you know, I think... They want the views. If if he's really close to playing, I think they might push, like, you know, push him through, quote-unquote, through the concussion protocol. So, um, but if he doesn't play... I absolutely love the Josh Allen stack with Stefan Diggs. But what's interesting, though, is that if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, you I, I only think you can play one of Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. I think it's Travis and, Kelsey, for sure. And I, I would also go Travis Kelsey as well. So I think that's, you know, that's something to watch. And then if that happens, you know, play Josh Allen, play Stefan Diggs, maybe throw in John Brown or Cole Beasley, and then go to the other game and do some skinny sacks, play Aaron Jones, and Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin and Devontae Adams or something, you know. So, yeah, I think you just watch the news this week on Patrick Mahomes and see what happens. Because if he does play, I I would play Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, and maybe maybe even uh, Miko Hardman had a decent week last week. So, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, what what would you say your ideal lineup is for this week? Well, I got a little something rolling right here. Do you want me to just go player by player? Do it, and I'll I'll, okay. I'll follow you afterwards. So what I got so far is Josh Allen at QB, Ronald Jones, Aaron Jones, John Brown, Stefan Diggs, Chris Godwin, Robert Tanyan, Travis Kelsey, and Packers D. And I just like the potential with this lineup with uh, Buffalo having a big game. And Kelsey, I f- really feel like he's QB proof. So whether Henny starts or not, even if it ends up being game time decision, I think you can feel comfortable starting Kelsey, and I think he's going to score you a ton of points. And you still have some output with Godwin, and you just hope that Tunyon scores a touchdown. Yeah, man. I pretty much had the same lineup, so I think you just said it all right there. (laughs) Yep. Let's lock it in. The one thing that I have been pretty good at hitting on this throughout this year has been defenses overall. And I'm right there with you with the Packers defense. I always look at who's – who's the most likely to turn the ball over? Because, I mean, That's you're hoping for a pick six. You're hoping for – but of the four quarterbacks, I think 100% Brady is probably the most likely yes. to turn the ball over. Yes. That being said, if Henny starts, I think you, have to you, might, wanna, you might want to yeah. flip over to Buffalo yeah. immediately. 100%. You hit it right on the head. That's absolutely the play this week. So just watching yeah. the health there. All right, so read back to me one more time your lineup. I'm locking this in, and we're going to either help the people out or the people are never going to take our DFS <laughs> advice seriously ever again. All right, let's do it. So we got Josh Allen, Ronald Check. Jones. Check. Aaron Jones. Of course. John Brown. All right. Stephon Diggs. Chris Godwin. Yeah. Robert Tunyon and Travis Kelsey and then Packers D. And I'd say the one spot you have some flexibility is if you want to sub in, uh, let's say like Cole Beasley or Gabriel Davis in the place of John Brown, you have some wiggle room in subbing somebody in for Godwin. So I think there's the flexibility in the lineup this week. Love to hear it. Yeah, I think the only one that gives me hesitancy is John Brown just because (laughs) – 
you still want to see it, you know. He's coming back off an of injury, and, like, we haven't seen a big pop game on these last two, and it's just like, do I keep going back or right. do I let it go? When is the well really yeah. dry? It's hard to tell. So Right, right. Last week, he did get 11 targets against right. Baltimore. And, and that's something to look at for sure, especially because Beasley, and this is what you have to really consider, is what is Beasley's health going to be like? Because – I think what I saw is that the first game that he was injured, he played through it and he got some targets. And then yeah. last week he regressed. And I'm 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 not going to try to play doctor too much, but what that tells me is this injury is not getting any better. In fact, it mm-hmm. might be getting worse. And if that's the case, I think that Brown is a safer play than Beasley. I think maybe you look at Gabriel Davis and he might pop off, but I like John Brown this week. Yeah. Um, especially because like what you said with the targets, they they were up last week, so I have a curious question for you. Go ahead. Are you at all tempted to try to hit a boom game with MVS? I feel like he's the uh, one type of player that like always has the opportunity at like a 60-yard touchdown that just springs out. And I mean, last week he saw eight targets. And I feel like, you know, Devontae is going to be the focus. So that's the one I always look at. And I'm like, man, it's tempting. But also if he doesn't get it, he could hurt you immediately. You know what I'm saying? But I know that what you guys have said is you really want to hit boom on these small types of field plays. So that was a question I had up for you. Yeah. And I think that that's a great question just because if Tampa Bay ends up over scheming against Devontae Adams and frankly, um, Tampa Bay is not great against wide receivers. That's probably their defense's weakest point is against wide receivers. But I think the play there instead of MVS is actually Alan Lazard because I think he could get peppered with targets end up with a bunch of receptions and get you some points. So I think Alan Lazard is actually something to look at. Like if you want to mix up that Godwin spot and spend a little bit more money elsewhere, maybe you plug in Alan Lazard in that spot. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I see Alan Lazard and MVS in a very similar spot. It's just hard because MVS just hasn't even, I don't think he's caught any more than like three catches in a game, four catches in a game the entire season. So right. it really rides on him not only scoring a long touchdown, but honestly, maybe two, you know, because yeah. like if he's only scoring one. He's probably, you know, giving you the value that you paid for him. But is it enough to, you know, give you that um, tournament winning upside, if that makes sense? So right. I think it's for definitely sure. interesting, though. And it's something it's someone that's like and a lot of DFS podcasts I listen to. MVS is like the ultimate air yards player who just barely you know he just doesn't like actually produce based on how much air yards he gets so but he's always a good play i just want to put a little bit of respect on my boy's name he had one game where he was six for six okay so there's been one <laughs> love it love it uh, all right so there's the dfs play for this week let's move on towards the f- other half the focus of this podcast this week we're touching on our top 24 dynasty qbs I think that we're all fairly similar in some areas. And then there's a couple of players that really strike different for us. So I think this will be a fun talk. Let's start from number one and work our way back. Or what do you think? Should we do one down to 24 or 24 up to one? I think let's go. Let's start with one just because I think things are fairly obvious one through six, especially even down to eight. And then things get very interesting once we hit the 10 spot and onwards. So I think let's start from the top. 
Sounds good. And so while we do this, also, once we hit that range, let's bring the rookies in a little bit. We don't know where they're landing yet. We don't know what they're going to do, if they're going to hit in the NFL. But, you know, rookies are the new hotness to Dynasty players right now. That's all people want to talk about in some phases of the game. So let's throw in where we think we would project them to be in Dynasty value, regardless of landing spot. So starting off with number one, these are... We have a consensus ranking. We're all a little bit different on most of these players, but not number one. We all have Patrick Mahomes as the clear and obvious QB1. And why wouldn't you? I mean, come on, folks. Think smarter. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Don't overthink it. It's Patrick Mahomes, baby. No, Josh Allen is not the QB1 in Dynasty. Okay. (laughs) A lot of people love Josh Allen, but let's let's calm down a little bit. The next thing, the next one, so moving on to QB2, we're going to keep that short and brief because that's pretty obvious. But number two, I thought it was interesting because we all hit consensus, but I think a lot of people would disagree with us. We all have Deshaun Watson as our number two quarterback. I have seen Josh Allen up there. I have seen Kyler up there. So I was surprised we didn't have as much variation. But that said, Deshaun Watson Watson is a monster and he's been doing it. He's shown he can do it with a top receiving option in DeAndre Hopkins. He shows he can do it without a top receiving option. He has that Konami code, can run the ball. And the thing is, he doesn't rely on running the ball. So that's one thing that's super interesting for me. And also, if you haven't seen, I'm fairly certain he's finished top five the last three years in a row. I think he's finished as QB5. If he can get either into a new system or if they actually finally start building around him and giving him weapons, there's nowhere to go but up, in my opinion. So that's why I have him at two. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, I think it's just, for me, it's hard to move Deshaun Watson outside of number two, just because out of every QB behind him that you would maybe consider, and Kyler and Josh Allen, and for me, Dak Prescott or Justin Herbert, he's done it consistently. He's still only 25 years old. And to me, that like you were saying, he's doesn't necessarily rely on the run game. He's shown extreme consistency in the past game. He's very accurate. And to be honest, like those, those traits in a quarterback typically outlast the quarterbacks that have maybe some accuracy issues. And, you know, I think that's pretty much it. I think it's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. I think you guys have pretty much said it all. He's team proof. And no, he has that rushing upside, which you'd look for in a top end dynasty quarterback. And, he also has the passing side of it to last into his later years. So I think you can't miss with, the, with Deshaun Watson. I think he's uh, he's that number two for me. Last thing I'll say, just because I think it's really interesting, is this year was actually his best year, even though it was probably his worst weapons on the offense overall. Uh, he had 4,800 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. So that's his lowest interceptions, his most touchdowns by seven. and his most passing yards by almost a thousand that's that's impressive to me uh overall and man he's got so much potential anyway moving on wait wait no before we move on do we think he's actually going to move teams you know i i when this all first started i was team no he's not going anywhere but the more you see things play out the more he is actively putting things out there, whether it be his cryptic tweets or just how much is broken up between him and that front office, 
I wouldn't be surprised, but if he's going to do it, he has to commit to it. He has to be prepared to sit. You know what I mean? Like, is he so going to? I think pull, it's a, is he going to come out in a fat suit to try to get traded? <laughs> no, he's not going to pull a James Harden out here. Uh, oh, did that actually but, happen? Because I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. He did look real chunky in those last couple of Rocket games, and now all of a sudden he looks slimmer. So it's it's interesting to say the least. I don't think you can rule it out, but I mean, I feel like also, how couldn't you rule it out? I feel like one of his teammates would have been like, yo, this dude was wearing a fat suit in the locker room. Right, you know right. right. So, it's probably just the angle, because it's, mo- it's mostly just like those two pictures they compare. So it's likely the angle. But as far as Deshaun Watson, I think that, I could see it happening, especially because it seems like the the team, although initially they come out a hard stance of we're not trading him, I think that's likely just to say to, to prove to people, hey, we have leverage here. I've seen people say that the team doesn't have leverage. That is simply incorrect. The contract is is very binding, especially in the NFL, because players can get fined for not playing. Mm-hmm. And frankly, because Deshaun Watson is such an incredible asset. It's not like teams are just going to lowball to try to get Deshaun Watson. There will be a team that is willing to pay up for that dude. I mean, he is franchise changing. So I, I could see he's it only happening. 25. Correct. And yeah. he's only 25, right? So, right. Yeah. And like a player like Deshaun Watson, too, you know, the NFL, as much as we, you know, I hate to say it, like they run through money. And Deshaun Watson not only is going to make your, like, if you lose Deshaun Watson, your team's going to get worse. But also, your like your fans are not going to be happy, you know, and you're going to be selling less tickets and all that kind of stuff. So, I would bet that the Houston Texans are going to literally go to every length to try to keep Deshaun Watson there. And I don't think he leaves, but it should be interesting to watch during this off season for sure. Right. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they hire Bienemy just because that is the guy that Watson wants. So I'd be looking at who that hire is going to be as well. But now we'll actually move on to our number three consensus QB. Tanner and I actually have him at number three, but Sam, not so much. Sam's got him down a ways, but Josh Allen, Josh the Stallion, as our friend Jesse would call him, guided him to a dynasty championship in our home league. But Sam, you got to explain it, man. Like, I I get it, but QB six, man? QB six for Josh Allen? What is up? Oh man, I know I'll probably get roasted for this, but uh, to me, it's he's not far behind, you know. So I have Dak Prescott, Kyler, and Justin Herbert ahead of Josh Allen. And earlier, I had mentioned that I in Dynasty I put a like a significant premium on players that have consistent pass a consistent passing game. And yes, Josh Allen has greatly improved. However, I still have some reservations about whether he's going to be be able to hold on to that because I think we've seen players like him be able to put like string together a full season or, you know, 6 to 10 games where like they have really elite passing happening. And so it's to for me like I don't blame you guys for putting him 3 because as far as fantasy quarterbacks go, he is like the perfect quarterback right now. He is both elite at rushing and elite at passing. So I don't blame you guys. It's just more being me being reserved. And honestly, I should probably have Josh Allen over Justin Herbert. And I look at this now. Right. And I'll, I'll say this. When I look at high end dynasty QBs, I'm looking for two things. One, 
Do they have some rushing ability to score a high number of points right now? And two, do they have that passing ability to lead them into their older years? For Josh Allen, I think it's yes to both. I know that he has only done it for one year, but come on, dude. He's passing at 70%. And I I know what you're saying as far as we've seen stretches of players pass at elite level for for some period of time and then and then regress but at 70 percent i i just don't see how you can regress back to a non-competent passer after that type of season i think that's 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 just a solidifier for me is that it's he's been passing that well it's not like he's going from 58 percent to like 64 percent. he's at 70 percent. he's towards the top of the league and the big thing to me just to add on to that is the biggest thing for me is his rushing touchdown upside. Um, I was one, especially in the preseason of the, before this 2020, I was like fading him a little bit. I wasn't like fading him, but I had him in my like QB eight to QB 12 range. And the main reason was I thought that they were going to use Zach Moss more in the red zone. And that would cut back on his rushing upside in the red zone. The dude has now had eight touchdowns this year, rushing nine touchdowns a year prior and eight touchdowns his rookie year eight or more in all three of his seasons. And, you know, I just don't see it going down. If they're committed to Moss and Singletary, who they have money invested in both of them, I don't think they're going to bring in another back. So it's just like he's going to continue to be that type of weapon in the red zone. So that really helped me keep him up here too. For sure. Also, I think it's, for, at least for me, I the only reason I was only I was ever fading Josh Allen had nothing to do with his rushing ability. You know, I I wasn't worried about Zach Moss. I've never been worried about Devin Singletary stealing stuff from him. It was it's always just been the consistency in the passing game. And he took just an an immense stride this year in that. And I, I it was hard to predict. I mean, anyone who says they knew that this was gonna happen is is lying to themselves. Correct. Like that I mean, it was very unlikely. We don't see yes. this happen very often that quarterbacks who are very erratic and very inaccurate all of, su- all of a sudden over one offseason can fix that. And so, you know, that is baked into my ranking right now. And, you know, you, you're probably right. I probably should have him higher. But again, the difference between Josh Allen and Dak Prescott is very minimal at this point. You know, I just I like what I've seen from Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray. And so, you know, I got him at six. Fair enough. So speaking of Dak Prescott, moving on to our number four consensus quarterback is Dak Prescott. Uh, I have him at five. Tanner's got him at five. And Sam has him at three. Uh, I think that three is still fair. I mean, this dude is super talented. He was putting up some of the most points per game that we'd seen for a quarterback ever in his first five games out this season. Nothing makes me think that he's going to slow down at that. The Cowboys still need to pay this man his money. And if he's going <laughs> right, and if he's going back to the Cowboys, he's got elite weapons. I mean, C D, Amari, Gallup, now you got both Jarwin and Schultz that prove they can be capable tight ends. I just don't know how you can fade him. And I think that a lot of people are because they're scared of this injury. Does that scare you guys at all? Or are you guys like me where it's just like He's going to be fine, and let's get back to it. Yeah, I'm not worried about the injury at all. I mean, you know, I'm not a doctor, and I think most of the stuffs I've seen have been like fantasy football doctors, or sorry, fantasy Twitter doctors, where it's just like, you know, it was an ankle injury. It looked kind of nasty, but like 
he's already he, he'll be way pat or he'll be way ready by next season so like i'm not worried about it at all and they said it's not long term so i just love dak prescott and i also have him in dynasty in our league so uh, <laughs> i might I, there might be a little bit of bias there but you know i love dak prescott he's been super consistent straight from his rookie year and honestly if he if he moves teams i don't I'm not worried about him. Like, you know, it's, I would love for him to resign to have Amari Cooper, CD lamb and Michael Gallup there, but I'm not worried about him at him at all. Yeah. I'll just echo pretty much everything you guys said. I I'm not super worried about the injury. I think that where modern medicine is now players can come back from pretty much anything. I mean, we've seen what Alex Smith did this year, which is pretty incredible. And I, I think that Dak's injury is nowhere near that level. So I, I don't feel worried about that. And I think he is also one of those players that is team proof. And I think it'd be nice to have him on the Cowboys, but I wouldn't be worried if he went anywhere else. All right. So before I move to our next quarterback on this list, I got to ask Is Trevor Lawrence your number one quarterback for the rookies coming out? Yes or no? Yes. Yep. All right. So I got to ask now. Is he making this top five for you at all? Are you on the full board hype train or is he still going to fall into this list a bit later? He's still later for me. And I think that it's important that he is because when we're looking at rookie quarterbacks, we have gotten, we got spoiled this year with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts flashing in the pan and all that. And, and two is still, he looked okay, right? He, he didn't look horrible, but we have to remember that there are people like Daniel Jones out there and there are people like Joe Marcus Russell for the throwback out there, you know, like quarterbacks can die. And that's why it's just, it's just too early. And I love him. And he's highly ranked for me. Is Trevor Lawrence going to gain like a hundred pounds or. (laughs) That would be a sight to see. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't have Trevor, I don't have Trevor Lawrence in the top five. I figured that we didn't, but I figured I'd at least ask because, you know, there's some people out there that are all aboard that hype train since he's the best prospect to ever graze the planet Earth and all of that jazz, you know. Right. So uh, moving on to our number five, it is Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I have him at six. Tanner and Sam, you both have him at four. Uh, I guess what makes you put him at four i think it's a reasonable range but i'll let you guys have the floor oh man i'm more curious why you have kyler so low because the thing is is like i I will admit that kyler murray is probably the hardest to grade for me just because it's when it comes to age he's the youngest of most of these but at the same time i will say that he's kind of struggled a little bit um, he's had some like stretches of each season where he struggled passing. And like I said, like I just want to see some consistency that I know you can sustain a, a really long career because that's what these quarterbacks quarterbacks at the top are doing. Like they're Patrick Mahomes gonna play for 15 years, you know? And I, I love Kyler Murray. I think he's gonna be fine. I think the team is just going through some growing pains. I mean, two years ago, the Arizona Cardinals were the worst team in the NFL. So, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm more curious as to why Kyler is so low for you. I mean, I wouldn't say so low. He's two positions behind what you have him. But 
why I have him lower is because I think as far as the rushing upside goes, I think we saw more of the peak of what he can do. I think his rushing numbers are going to come back. So then it brings up the question of what you were saying of how much of his passing upside and his passing accuracy and what he can do as a passer is going to come through. Are we seeing what he's going to typically do or can he take that next step up and get to the 4,500 yards and maybe 30 plus touchdowns? Because um, right now, his rushing upside, he had 11 rushing touchdowns this season. That's not going to be consistent. I mean, the year before, he had four. So maybe he can get to that Josh Allen level of like around 80 a year. But even then, I think that that's something we don't see too often. We saw it from Cam, and we saw it now for with Josh Allen. Even Lamar isn't consistently running in that many touchdowns. So I think that that is going to be peaked out a little bit, and which... I like my two guys ahead of him just slightly more on a consistency basis of passing and their ability to get the ball where it needs to be. And I get that. But the thing that we have to remember with, with, with Kyler Murray is, yes, okay, he struggled at times with passing over the last couple of seasons. But to be honest, if if I drafted Kyler Murray as a, as a franchise, I'd be happy with where he's progressed so far from the passing standpoint. Sure. He's been He's been above average at least as a young quarterback in the passing game. And the other thing that I love about Kyler Murray is that he is careful with his body. He does get those rushing touchdowns. He gets those rushing yards, but he is sliding on almost every time he's rushing the ball. He's running out of bounds. He's very smart with his body. So I'm not worried about his body deteriorating, and he still has that upside as a passer. I think we've seen flashes. I think he can be that guy that can throw for 4,500 yards in a season. So I I like him at four. I honestly thought it was going to be low on Kyler Murray. At four. So it's surprising no. to see both Tanner on the same page as me and you having him at seven or six. Here's the thing is I think that I'm too low on Dak. And so even at five, I, I just I like Dak more than Kyler on a longevity scale of things. I get why people like Kyler more, but I prefer Dak, so that's why he fell to six for me. And I have an obsessive love with my number four which is our consensus six overall. So if you want me to transition into that, then maybe I can tell you a little bit more. So our consensus six is Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. People are going to probably consider me crazy for this, but I have him at four. Tanner's got him at seven, and Sam has him at five. So I'm clearly the highest on him of all of us. But here's the thing. No preseason, not really a training camp, playing with – a coach that hasn't really put you in the best position as far as decision-making. And this dude is just capitalizing. He came in game two, but then he did things that we've never seen a rookie do. 396 completions, which was the most ever for a rookie. Second most passing yards for a rookie ever. Most passing touchdowns ever for a rookie. And he still had five rushing touchdowns on top of that. And his decision-making was pretty good. I mean, he only threw 10 interceptions, which is you like to see with a guy who's throwing the ball so much. And so uh, I just, the sky's the limit for Justin Herbert for me. I think that we're just seeing what he's capable of. And I think that I'm really sad that they didn't take Dabble from the Buffalo Bills because I thought that pairing could have been really nice for a head coach and him. But I seriously think that Justin Herbert is going to be super special, and that's why I put him above Kyler, which bumped Kyler to six for me. Yeah, I guess I can't really blame you for it because the one huge concern for Justin Herbert 
was always his decision-making. And it was never about the physical tools that he had because everyone was like, oh, you know, he fits the you know perfect mold for an elite quarterback because he's both really tall, he's fast, because I'm pretty sure he was the fastest quarterback um, in of this past QB class. And yeah, man, like he looked amazing. And I traded Justin Herbert to Kanan in our dynasty league early on in the season. And I will forever regret it. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. Um, and I, I, I'm with, I'm with Sam in that I can't really knock you Cannon, for having him that high. The reason why I had him at uh, seven is because I believe that every quarterback above him has shown that they can have a nutty 450 point season and Justin Herbert hasn't shown me that yet and don't get me wrong like he had the best rookie season ever so he's on track to show that but we look at what Baker did and he before Justin Herbert had the best rookie season ever as a passer and and we'll get to that more a little bit later but and now we're seeing him take a trajectory where we're not sure if Baker can have those nutty 450 point quarterback seasons right. and Lamar Jackson. We know he can Dak, Kyler, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Holmes. Those guys all can. So I'm just waiting for Justin Herbert to show me that. And as soon as he does, he might even be the number two quarterback in dynasty. Yeah. I think, I think Baker Mayfield is a perfect example. Cause that's who I just keep thinking about. You know, he had such a successful rookie year and you know, I still like Baker Mayfield, but there definitely for are sure. questions. So it's hard to judge a player only off of one year. I mean, you definitely, I mean, it's all we have to work with, but like, you know, there's still reservations. And that's also why I have some reservations about Josh Allen, just because it's been one year, at least elite passing. And uh, yeah, go ahead, Kane. Uh, I was just going to, I wish I could find the tweet and I'll probably try to as we move on, but it might not even be worth it at that point. Um, But on top of that, I know that Tanner, you just said like with the, the point totals and whatnot, Justin Herbert's put up the most fantasy points that we've seen by a rookie quarterback, I think since Cam Newton. And like even Kyler's freakish season that he had, I think his rookie year, which was last year, Justin Herbert still outscored him by, I believe, like 40, almost 50 points. And compared to Baker's season, he outscored Baker by almost 100 fantasy points. So it's just like, I think that it's being taken for granted how special what he's doing actually is. And I had like all those listed um, listed out in a different conversation I had with Jake on Twitter, Jake uh, from Dynasty Nerds. But I think that overall, what we saw is being a little bit taken for granted. But I understand the concern. And I just, when I watch him play, I don't see the same issues that we saw or like maybe flaws that Baker showed that Herbert is showing those similar things. Right. And I, I'm not in any way like saying that Justin Herbert is going to be Baker Mayfield or or that their rookie seasons were the same. I'm just trying to say that he is an elite passer, but it takes more than elite passing to have that crazy 450-point season to win you because th- those are championship winners is when a quarterback does that. You're likely to win a championship then, and that adds a lot of value to a dynasty player. And I just don't know that that rookie season proves that he can do that yet. Um, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's just – where I have him. Um, right. That's why so I have him. Last, so. last thing. 
One, I don't think we've seen a 450-point season from a quarterback because Lamar's season last year was 414 points in standard quarterback. I'm just pulling numbers out of my head. I'm, I'm making stuff up. You I did. got you. I got you. But like 420 is the one of the highest ones. Justin Herbert this year had almost 340 points. So, I mean, he was creeping up there as a rookie, and I just I don't think that this year was his ceiling. So that's why I'm so high on him. That's fair. Totally fair. Let's move ahead to – Number seven, which is a quarterback that's pretty hot on Twitter right now for good and for bad, and that is Lamar Jackson. Tanner, I'm going to kick it to you right away on your feelings with Lamar and just should people be freaking out like they seem to be, or do they need to calm down? I I, Thank you for doing that because I do have some strong feelings about Lamar Jackson. And the first thing I'm going to say is this dude – had an incredible fantasy season last year, a very, very special fantasy season last year. And now he can't pass and he's garbage and he's the reason the, the Ravens suck and nobody wants anything to do with him fantasy. I don't get it. It's 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 ridiculous because Lamar Jackson, yes, he did not have a great season this year and he definitely did not improve as a passer. I get all of that. But when it comes down to when we're thinking fantasy, we have to think in terms of, is he still good enough to be a starter in the NFL? And the answer is unequivocally yes. And we have to ask ourselves, will he continue to get an opportunity to be a starter in this league? And again, it's unequivocally yes. And when you have his rushing capabilities, he is still such a deadly asset to have on your team. And let's say he does progress from a passing standpoint. Well, then we're going to be talking about him like people were last year as the QB2 in Dynasty overall. Yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson has back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Exactly. Boom. Right there. <laughs> that's nutty. I feel like that's all you, that's all you need to know, man. Uh, I will say, though, I, I understand the concern. because, like, So, Tanner, you have him at... Six. What is it? Six? Now I have him at eight. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like we're super far off, but I have him lower just because it's... Like I said, you can't ignore the passing struggles, right? You know, because if he if he doesn't improve, how long is he going to last in the league? I mean, I, I, three to four more years, will he get a second contract? I don't know. Oh, you come know? on, so come I, on now. I think he will. The I'm not Ravens saying he won't. Are I'm still saying. so high scoring, even with his passing issues. He is still electric enough that you can run a great offense through him. Somebody will sign right. him. Somebody will want him as a starting sure. QB. He will still be a starter, and that's why he still has value. Even he has, even if he has a Cam Newton type career, that's his floor to me. Is a Cam Newton type career, I'll take that. That's not a bad career. Yeah, that's, fantasy not, that's a good. That's a good point. You know, you'll probably get another five to six elite years, like top five quarterback every year for another five to six years. Like I said, that that would be pretty solid. I just, it's just hard because the the quarterback. So I have, uh, let's see, Russell Wilson over him. And I know that Kanan's going to say things about that eventually because he has them a lot lower than us. But I don't know. Like, I just feel like I could see Russell Wilson outlasting Lamar Jackson in his career. And I, that, that's actually crazy fair. To think that? And that's why I have them close. But I, I still think that what Lamar Jackson gives you now is so valuable that not many players can match it. And he does still have that upside if he sure. progresses as a passer. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I disagree that uh, Russell Wilson can outlast Lamar Jackson for his career. Uh, We forget that Lamar Jackson is 23. And I mean, even though we might not 
love what he's doing. That dude's a franchise player. Uh, one other thing I'll throw on before we move on is we just saw Josh Allen make an incredible progression with his passing. And who's to say Lamar can't take those type of steps right. and help improve his game as he grows. Again, he's only 23. He's two years younger than Josh Allen. He's the same age as Kyler. So it's just like, he's got time. He showed that he has the talent. I think he's going to be around for a while. Moving on to the man of the hour. Number eight is Russell Wilson. I have him at QB 10. Sam has him at QB seven and Tanner has him at QB eight where he follows in the consensus. Uh, I can kick it off. I'm lower on Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm lower on Russell Wilson. Actually somebody else kick it off. So I can pull up the numbers really quick, but uh, just, I guess, what do you like about him? What makes you higher on him as opposed to somebody like Joe Burrow or uh, Baker Mayfield? Like what Mm -hmm. makes you on that Russell Wilson trade? So the the reason why I have him over players like Joe Burrow and um, Baker Mayfield is because Russell Wilson has shown he can have those um, championship winning seasons because he ha- he's already had them and he he is an elite passer so he can last well into his late years. We're seeing guys like Tom Brady play until they're forty two. Not saying that Russell Wilson will do that or that that's going to be um, a common thing, but I think that we we have at least a good five six years left of elite Russell Wilson and those championship winning seasons are very valuable. And who knows if a guy like Baker will ever get there. Um, he might. And that's why I like him in my rankings. He's still pretty high. I'd say compared to where most people have a guy like Baker, but Russell Wilson, you do have it and you're going to have it for five to six years. I think that's very valuable. Yeah. I would agree completely with that. Do you have those numbers, Canyon? I do. So I guess my biggest concern with Russell Wilson is just, the consistency that he shows over the course of the year. And we saw his hot start this year with the 30, a 32, a 36, a 21, a 25, a 32. And it's like, damn, this guy is just talented. Man, we've been fading Russell Wilson way more than we should. But then all of a sudden, the numbers just drop off after that. We have games of 11, 14, 16, 13. And it's just like, I need to see more consistency over the entire course of the year. And we had a similar thing last year where he had a 24-point game, a 41-point game, 29, 27. But then he went on to have finished the year at week 12 moving forward, a 10, a 15, a 10, a 19, a 9 in championship week. And so it's just like I I don't like the roller coaster seasons that he's been giving in fantasy overall, which makes me – prefer a younger guy with upside when I see someone like Joe Burrow. And that's just with my dynasty rankings because I'm looking at over the course of three years. And then on top of that, the one thing that keeps him a little lower for me is that Pete Carroll came out again saying, you know, we want to get back to running the ball. They fired their OC and they want to bring in a new guy who's going to help them run the ball more. And it's just like Pete Carroll does not want Russ to cook. So therefore I do not (laughs) want Russ cooking on my team. The, the, I, I love that last point, Ken, because I think that is definitely the biggest knock that you could you could have on him is that Pete Carroll doesn't seem happy with a high-passing volume offense. Going to the consistency thing, though, I think that's a bit overblown because, and again, my whole shtick lately has been we hold QBs to impossible standards. We want every QB to score 25 points a game 
for the full season. And that just doesn't happen unless you get a Josh Allen type season and they're usually the MVP. So usually you can get two or three guys on any given year that'll do that. And then other players don't do it. Like I look at Deshaun Watson last year. He had a great fantasy season last year. I think he was QB three, if I'm not mistaken. And he had a 10 point game, an 11 point game, a 17 point game, a four point game, a nine point game, and another 17 point game. Right. So I think that with Russell Wilson, it's just been strange that they have been strung together the way that they have been. But I think that you're going to get those games with almost every QB that you have in most seasons, unless you end up with the Josh Allen at the top of his game or an Aaron Rodgers at the top of his game. And that will happen sometimes. And we've even seen that from Russell Wilson sometimes, like back in, I think it was 2017 was his big year where it was basically 25 plus every game. So, but I do definitely get what you're saying with Pete Carroll for sure. I just want to do a little little thing here. So this is Russell Wilson's QB finishes since he's since he came into the league. 11 8 3 3 10 1 9 3 6. So there's been one season that he hasn't finished top 10 in fantasy and that was his rookie year obviously. And I agree that sometimes the volatility of Russell Wilson because I, I, I saw this tweet and I can't find it. I did try to find it before this show, but someone went through a, some of his past, season, his past seasons and it has been kind of like, a oh, the first half or the second half has been the elite part of his year and the other half has just been kind of eh. You know, Again, I which think is that's just what every quarterback does yeah. unless they have an MVP type season. That's just the way it works. We well, hold QBs to way too high of standards. Right. And I, I was kind of looking back, though, because I wondered why that was. And sometimes it kind of looks like it's basically just how the Seahawks are doing record-wise. You know, the Seahawks went up super – they came out super hot or winning most of their games. And maybe they just tried to get comfortable and stopped throwing as much and were trying different things. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to try to speak for the coaches and whatnot. But I just wouldn't be worried about it. And so that's why I have them at 7 above Lamar Jackson, just because, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong about it, but I do think there's a good chance that Lamar Jackson doesn't outlast Russell Wilson. But God, we need to place like a water bed or something on that one because I'm going to fight you. <laughs> um, so let's let's round out these next uh, few. Let's get to 12, and then we're going to split this episode into two episodes. I want to make sure people are hearing this, make sure people are tuning in. So let's crank through these uh, next four or five and then take a quick break and we'll make it a second episode. Yeah? Sweet. Let's do it. Sure. All right. So moving on to number nine in our consensus, it's Joe Burrow. And I think that this dude showed that his sky is the limit. It really sucks that he got hurt when he did because he was putting up numbers right behind Justin Herbert, which is just crazy to think about that. We had two rookies showing out like crazy. Um, like Tanner said earlier, you just don't see that. We're Hopefully we realize we're spoiled as opposed to this being a norm. And uh, I have him at eight. Uh, Tanner has him at nine and Sam has him at nine. So we're all right in that same zone as well. Overall, just quickly, does the injury worry you guys, or do you think he's going to be fine? We'll keep these kind of brief because I think these next few, they're really close in our rankings. But at the same time, I think that we can give some brevity to them. Sure. I think that the injury, 
I mean, it looked really bad for for those of you who saw it. You know, it looked horrible. But again, where we are with our modern medicine, I think that he should make a full recovery. And he, you're absolutely right, Cannon. He was right there with Justin Herbert. Who knows? He might have finished ahead of Justin Herbert had he played the full season. I doubt it, but it might have happened. So I, I love him. Um, I think you're exactly right. Sky's the limit with this guy. Yeah, I would like to throw something in here right now. I had Trevor Lawrence ahead of Justin Herbert here. Ahead of Herbert or Burrow? Sorry. Joe I was Burrow. like, what are you talking about, boy? I, I was <laughs> like, don't come at my man like that. Don't come at my man like that. I definitely love Joe Burrow. And like you said, you know, he he showed a ton of great things early on in the season for his rookie year. And so, I, you know, he also had probably the greatest season ever in college history. So, you know, there's, I don't have much worries about Justin or Joe Burrow, but like Trevor Lawrence has been widely seen as like the number one quarterback for years, even with Joe Burrow putting up an incredible season and Tua being elite and Justin Fields. Like, I don't know this. I, I, I guess we're trying to talk about Joe Burrow here, but I just want to throw out the Trevor Lawrence. Like he's that good. And I have him. Above Sam, Joe let Burrow. me ask you this. If Trevor Lawrence had the 16-game pace of Joe Burrow, would you not be ecstatic with that? Oh, 100%. So that's why Joe Burrow has to be ahead of Trevor Lawrence in my mind. Because Trevor Lawrence is still an unknown. Joe Burrow has already done it. And that's exactly – you were hoping that Trevor Lawrence is Joe Burrow. He might not be Joe Burrow. And he's already done it. That's why I think you have to put Joe Burrow ahead of Trevor Lawrence. But how much is there? How much are we actually worried about Trevor Lawrence, though? Like, most people are saying he is literally like the perfect prospect. So, like, there's pretty much an expectation and almost a guarantee that he's going to do that. Like, I would, I would bet. Dude, like, getting, there's a nine. I, it's, I think it's the spoiled rookie syndrome going on right now, man. Not everybody, Justin Herbert or Joe Joe Burrow. I think that we should keep this in mind and make it another topic for another episode because I think we could roll here because the funny thing is I have Trevor Lawrence right in line with Joe Burrow in my rankings. I literally put them side by side. So I think we could have some fun with this one. And it's close. But we'll move on to the next one and get through these top 12. And we got Baker Mayfield. Perfect. So, yep, we got Baker Mayfield, number 10, rounding out the top 10. He's come alive these last few weeks, and it's been really intriguing to see. He's finally getting back into a flow of the game. He's looking like the talented quarterback that we saw in his rookie year. And I think the nice thing is that it doesn't need to all be on his back. The run game is huge with Stavansky, and it's taking a little bit off of Baker's plate and allowing him to let the game progress instead of forcing things and being the guy. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes, and he can't. To me, he can't have those expectations. So when you allow him to focus on the run game and then take his natural ability in defining the seams as the defense looks to stop the run, that's what's allowing him to thrive. And so I have him at 11. Tanner and Sam have him at 10. What are you guys' quick thoughts on Baker Mayfield? So I think the big thing that we're seeing with Baker is that Stefanski has realized that Baker is a heck of a lot more comfortable when he's out of the gun. And that was a big adjustment that the Browns made after the bye week. If you look at before and after, there's a clear distinct difference in percentage of plays out of the gun 
Um, and it goes way up after the bye week. And that's because Stefanski realized, oh man, this guy passes a lot better when he doesn't have to go underneath center. And I think that that is what the Browns will continue to do. And I think that only bodes well for Baker. And I think we've seen him progress over the last year um, and just grow in, in a lot of different ways. And boy, that Browns offensive line looks so good, man. Yeah. And that is just so huge for a quarterback success. Yeah, it's Baker was kind of weird for me because there definitely are some concerns of like the amount of uh, steps back he took after his rookie year. But I think he's definitely shown that he's been growing over the past two years. And I just, it's hard to ignore how good he was in college and what he showed his rookie year. And to think that he couldn't get back to that same place, you know? And so I love Baker Mayfield, especially Stefanski showed some like real promise with that team. Um, Yeah. I love Baker Mayfield. So moving on to number 11, we have the GOAT, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't know if I'd actually call him the GOAT, but I got to yeah, do that. That's my, that's my boy. That's my boy. We're about to get him his second ring, hopefully. But Aaron Rodgers, I have him at 9, Tanner has him at 12, and Sam has him at 12. Putting a little bit of disrespect on the MVP of 2020, if you ask me. This guy is going to be going for... I'm looking at a three-year window when I'm doing these dynasty rankings, and I think that he's going to be going in these top 10 as far as production and fantasy goes over these next three years easy. I think that he's going to be with the Packers probably for all three of those years, if we're being honest with ourselves, and the only time that maybe he wouldn't be is the third of those three. Um, So for me, seeing what he did this year with his MVP season and looking like the old Rodgers, having fun, getting out there. And to me, I think that they're still going to add weapons to this team. You know, we've seen what they can do with Lazard and MVS, and everybody's been crying to have another receiver added to this team. People are still salty that we took Jordan Love, which we haven't even seen the kid play yet. So let's calm down a little bit. We're in the NFC Championship again. Sorry, my Packer fans have been pissing me off on Twitter lately. So. <laughs> I think that his his upside is still that top two, top three type of quarterback that we saw this year. Is that guaranteed over these next two, three years? No, but Matt LaFleur has been a great coach in his first two years, 13-3 and three both seasons, and I just don't see a huge drop-off. So for me, he has to be in that top ten. So why do you guys have him outside of that top ten? Well, I was going to say – I think the answer is really obvious. I think it's because he's old. And I get it that he probably will be elite until he retires. But I look at the guys ahead of him, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, those type of guys, they they literally have twice the career length left, if not more than that. And all those guys that I said, I believe that they either definitely will have those top five type quarterback seasons at one point or another remaining in their career or they very well could, Baker being that situation where I think Baker one day could get to that level, and that's why I have him above Rodgers. And the dude has 10 years on on Rodgers, and I think that is something you need to consider when you're looking at Dynasty. That is part of the equation. I think that's fair, but I think that for me, that why the reason I look at three-year windows is because if we're being honest, not everybody's Dynasty leagues are like ours where it's like, 
you're with your boys and this thing's going to last. You're going to be rolling. A lot of people's dynasty leagues start falling apart after three, four years. And so it's smarter to look at those, those shorter windows. No, 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 stop. Do not spread that evil gospel around. I could go on for a full fucking episode about this mindset. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh my but, God. But not even, that's mad. not even the number one reason. In general, for me, I think that it's time. You have to make a decision. Even if your thing lasts. So I think our legal lasts. We're going to last 10, however many years. Right. So for me, I'm still playing for three-year windows in our league because I think at that point, if you can at least see yourself in the top three, top two consistently in that span, then you have to shake it up pretty big because there are teams that are fitting that and they're likely going to start reaching peaks or they're going to do something to shoot themselves in the foot. So it's just like when I noticed this year, because I just hit the rebuild button in our league, when I noticed this year, man, my team is not holding up. It's a crazy year and all that. I was like, it's time for me to start finding those guys that are going to be top five players in two to three years. And so that's why I went and attacked the Justin Herberts, the Cam Akers. I picked up Saquon. Well, I already had Saquon, but you know, like things like that, because I'm trying to shoot for the guys that, yes, I want to compete in this next year. And hopefully the year after, if those guys turn into the all-stars, I think they can be, I'll be right there. You know what I mean? So that's just my mindset as far as looking at a three-year window. Right. And, And I get that. But as far as looking at dynasty for playing three years, this is what it seems like to me. When, when I go into a dynasty league, and I think that this, this is what dynasty is about, is you're, you're making a bet, right? That's what fantasy football is. It's betting, right? And you're saying, I bet that my team's going to be better now, and I bet that three years it's going to be better, and five years it's going to be better, and ten years. Unless there's a limit on the league, which I think maybe is a route that dynasty leagues should start to consider is this is a five-year league, or this is a ten-year league, or this is a four-year league, Right. Because then that eliminates some of this issue. But essentially what's happening is if you quit after three years because your team sucks, you're saying, wah, I was wrong about my bet. Now I'm not going to give you my money. That's essentially what's happening. So that's why it makes me nervous to kind of talk about Dynasty in terms of three-year windows is because I think that if we start talking about that, then we see a lot of teams go down that route and we just see an unhealthy Dynasty. Oh, I get, so. I get that. I, I think the biggest thing for me is that's determining who you allow into your leagues. And I think when you look at Twitter, people are just joining too many leagues and, you know, don't have that commitment. Right. Whereas like for me, I love fantasy. I'm on Twitter. I'm all that. I'm in like four leagues because I know that that's what I can fully commit myself to and apply the same amount of care in each one of those leagues. So like for me, when I'm saying three year window, if I'm not hitting it and I'm blowing it up, yeah, I might suck that year, but I'm still fully intending on coming back and kicking your guys' ass. So that, like, don't, when I say three-year window, I don't mean quit after three years because your team sucks. I mean, okay, now, you know what? This year, Rivers and Breeze are retiring. I don't know if Rivers is actually going to, but they're retiring, and they're on my team. I get nothing for them. You know what? It's time for me to start investing in younger players and realize I'm going to suck these next couple of years. Yeah, I think I'm going to side with Tanner here and that at least how I view Dynasty, I I understand the idea behind like wanting to view it in a three-year window, but I do think that in the long run, like if a league does last 10 years, you are essentially losing, you might be losing on a value because you're viewing it in a three-year window. And I don't know, like basically how I view age in Dynasty is like, 
it's essentially a multiplier, okay? So you have a player and you think they're going to score X amount of points. And how long do you think they can do that for? Can they do it for four years? Can they do it for six years? Can they do it for 10 years? And you just kind of, you know, you can place an arbitrary multiplier onto those things. And then you kind of get a dynasty ranking. And that's kind of how I've tried to view, you know, especially these uh, QB dynasty rankings. And, you know, for Aaron Rodgers, for going back to this, uh, I viewed Baker, I view Baker Mayfield as having a really long career and a successful one at that. And so, like, I'm not viewing it in a three-year three-year window. And so, no matter how Aaron, how good Aaron Rodgers is in the next three to four years, he's gonna retire at some point, you know. And like, I just don't want to be stuck with that. And I would rather have Baker Mayfield on my team than try to play that, like, you know, ride that fine line of when Rodgers is gonna is going to uh, retire. So that's just where I'm at. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'll close it on this and we can move forward. But the only thing that I see wrong with that is people stop playing to win. You know what I mean? They play to, I got to have the guys that are all going to last 10 years. And then you get guys like Aaron Rodgers or like Michael Thomas, who's going to be a guy like that for this offseason, I think, where people are like, oh, he's older. So he's not those are guys that are going to win you championships now. And so like, I don't, I want to take their immediate three year value and it still needs to be valued. You know what I mean? Like Michael Thomas is still a top 15 guy, but you might see people that are using a 10 year window, looking at him like, man, I don't want to touch him for a second, which is absolutely nuts. The dude's still worth a first round pick. And so that's where you ride the fine line of like, how far are you looking out might start to undervalue the guys that like Aaron so, Rodgers, so to speak. Right, and, and I get that you you can't go full age mode and say right. Aaron Rodgers is worth anything, but age is still a part of the equation. It's a balancing act. You yep. have to you have to take into account both, For sure. right? And I think with Aaron Rodgers versus Baker, I just think that it's so much more in the age range that Baker. And I, is just he has more value for me because he has so much more of a career and because he still can be that value. No, but you're so it's it's a balancing. You're act. absolutely right though, in that like too often you see people, you know, tip one way or the other too far, you know, and that's when you're and that's right. when you're losing out. So it's definitely and like we're we're arguing very like very specific points here, you know, like yes, Baker Mayfield hasn't shown that he can be Aaron Rodgers, but like the, like you said, there is age, so like, and they're not that far off for either of us. So you know, right? You know, this is yeah. a very. I mean, very I think it's, and I think it's based on the player you are too. I mean, like for me right now, I'll still take Aaron Rodgers over Baker because I think in these next four years, he'll give me top five production. I don't see that from Baker, but I see what you're saying, where you guys have the hope that he can hit that, and I just personally don't see that for him. So it just starts to come down to what you're seeing and what you're, how you construct your team. Because if I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to make sure I get a guy behind him that'll be coming up later. Like I'll get a Tua that I know that maybe he struggled a little early now, but he's young and hopefully he'll come up when Aaron Rodgers retires, that he's up to that type of peak performance. But we're going to move on. We're going to crank out these la- the last one of our top 12 and close out the first half of this episode. So number 12 is Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans. I have him at 12 exactly. Sam has him at 13, and Tanner has him at 11. So, Tanner, why 11? 
I think this guy's pretty straightforward. Um, he is one of the few guys I think that he is just like a middle of the road dynasty asset as far as QBs. He's he's kind of in the medium age of range. Um, he's come on late as a nice production guy, but uh, I don't think he's going to be putting out a number one QB type season. So, although I will say, since he's gotten to Tennessee, he's proven that he's a different player and. Looking at what he did this year, I think he was, what, QB8, if I'm not mistaken? Somewhere in that 8, 7, 6 range. And also last season, if you, if you take his 16-game um, his um, prediction as far as it would have been, if he would have been started the whole season, it's also very impressive. So um, I think that he is going to be a nice producer for about five more years, and I think that's uh, something to that's pretty valuable to have on a dynasty team. So do yeah, you think, think that Ryan... he'll, you think he'll outproduce Rogers in those five more years? Um, I do because I think that Rogers, although he looks invincible right now, we've seen it with every single QB that has retired. They're usually not very good, especially for fantasy during their last season. Tom Brady being the outlier, of course, but you look at Breeze; he was essentially nothing this year. Even guys like Ben Roethlisberger, like, meh, you know. So I think that Rodgers will have one of those years, and I think Tannehill is still just a ways away from that sort of situation. I think – I say five years as in that's what he definitely has. He may play until he's 40 like some of these great quarterbacks as well. So I just think that Tannehill's longevity just edges him just slightly over Rodgers for me um, and because he he can give you top 10 seasons for almost all those years as well. So I also viewed Ryan Tannehill in a very similar way to Ron, Aaron Rodgers, kind of like what you're – because that was a good question. But I, I did put Aaron Rodgers over Ryan Tannehill by one slot just because of – that I know that Aaron Rodgers is going to give me some elite production. And Ryan Tannehill had a great season, but it's just he's been – he hasn't really shown that he can be that consistent, you know? So like – would it surprise me that Ryan Tannehill finishes as QB 15 next year? No. So that's kind of why I, you know, my thought process right. behind Ryan Tannehill, but he de- definitely fair. showed that he is going to hang around for a while. So we're going to wrap this first half up. We're going to do one fun question and then close out the entire show. Hello. All right, so to close it off, we're going to have a little bit of fun like we did in the first episode. So just one question since we had so much quality QB talk, and then we'll be jumping in with episode three, closing off the 13 through 24 of our top quarterbacks. But this fun question for you guys is, who are your least three favorite teams in the NFL, whether it's rivalries, fan bases, etc., and why? Oh, man. Okay. Um, obviously, number one is Packers because Vikings, hello. Um, that's the clear number one for me. Skull. Skull, baby. It's funny that you bring up fan bases um, because, man, sometimes I really hate the Vikings fans so <laughs> much. Me too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, we no. can never be happy. Man, are you about to with say that your least, nice that we have? Are you about to say your least favorite team is the Vikings? <laughs> I mean, kind of. It's a very love-hate relationship oh because yes, I want them to succeed, but my God, I mean, you just look at what we have right now. 
what what Viking fans identify as the three biggest problems with our franchise? Kirk we Cousins. say it's Kirk Cousins, it's Zimmer, and then it's Spielman. And I'm like, have you been watching our team for the last six seasons? Mike Zimmer has been one of the best coaches in the NFL. He, if I'm not mistaken, the Vikings are a top five, if for sure top ten team. For record, since Zimmer has gotten here, is that not a good thing? Am I missing something? Are we supposed to be losing games here? Yeah, man. Like, come on, Vikings fans. He does a good job, and I, I get, I get the conversation of like, will he ever take it over the edge to the Super Bowl? I think that conversation sometimes is overplayed because it's just really hard to win a Super Bowl, and frankly, you just have to get kind of lucky. So I think you try to get a good coach, you latch onto him as for as long as you can, and you hope that you get lucky. That's the way that I see it. And you look at Spielman too. Look at his drafting record. Nobody has drafted more pro bowlers than Spielman since 2016. He can draft, or at least he gets people in the room who can draft. And you want to get rid of that? I understand he hasn't addressed the line. That makes me angry too. I get that. That's a valid concern. But he does a bunch of other things well. And then we talk about Kirk Cousins. And this season pissed me off to no end. Because... Go off. The guy was good this year. He did... No, I just, I just don't get it. It's it's just Five he's an easy scapegoat. Fans want to be. <laughs> yeah, no, I I could go on. Tanner could do a whole episode of just talking about the Vikings fan base. By that's it. Just All that's right. it. So we got. We have to talk. We got that you hate the Packers. You hate the Vikings. Oh, even though you love the Vikings, <laughs> who's your third one? To wrap it off before we move to Sam. Oh man, I honestly don't have one that I really care about that much. I'll just say Saints because obviously with, with Bounty Gate and Sean Payton mocking the skull chant and all that lore. Uh, so I'll just go with the Saints just because I think it's awesome that they get destroyed in the playoffs every year. I love to see it. Uh, my number one is going to be Philadelphia fans. And that, I, I mean that in like throughout most sports. Like they're quite literally the worst. Like I've seen some awful stuff in like Philadelphia hockey, just don't even get me started about when Philadelphia came to Minnesota uh, a couple of years ago. But uh, so, yeah, I would say Philadelphia Eagles are probably one of my least favorite uh, teams. However, I love the players on the team. So it's a very love hate relationship. Uh, Miles Sanders, <clears throat> just a quick shout out. He'll be listening. <laughs> He'll be listening. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he will. I think my. Uh, Last two would probably be the Bears. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't like the Bears. I don't like Mitch Trubisky. Just, I don't want, I want nothing to do with the Bears. Like, I, I, I love the rivalry of the Packers, and I can appreciate it. I just, there's nothing to like about the Bears. Nobody likes the Bears. So that's my second one. If I ever have to go with a third one, I'd probably also go with the Saints. No Packers, man. Yeah, I'm not going to be as nice. I really hate the Vikings. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I appreciate the rivalry that we have, and I love talking smack to my friends because, you know, I'm a Packer fan in Viking land. But overall, I do not like the Vikings just because it's just, and I know that the Packers fans can be the same, but when you guys do hit those highs, the shit talking is just out of this world. Like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, and I'm like, okay, let's see how it turns out, man. Let's see how it turns out. <laughs> So, no, no. Anyway, please no. There's a very split fan like fan base. There's just there's people who are very conservative and are like, hey man, let's just wait. And then there's also people who just let's win the Super Bowl, yeah. Right, right. You know, 
Suns. And then uh, next one would be the Bears as well, uh, due to the rivalry. But also, dude, Bears fans are just so annoying. Like, they're not they're not really that great. They have a great defense on and off, and that's usually their strong suit. But, like, tell me that Jay Cutler and Mitch Trubisky and all these people get you excited. Like, man, get out of here. Your team is scrubs. You guys act like you've done something relevant in the last 10 years, but come on, man, have you? And it's just, there's especially on Twitter, I just feel like Bears fans talk so much crap. And that might be because I'm on Packers Twitter. But, like, anyways, the third one, it has to be the Seahawks for me, man. So much, dude, I don't think I can ever, like, outlive the pain of that 2014-2015 playoff comeback. I'm surprised. Then you I'm got, surprised they won first. Then you got, I mean, this, I don't, the Vikings are definitely number one. Seahawks are probably number two for me, to be honest. But, man, the fail Mary, which, that was not a touchdown. Just, there's so many things that are wrong and also then on top of it, just like the fans, most of them are bandwagons that have just stuck along. But there was a point where the Seahawks were like the warriors of the NFL and everybody just jumped on because they were the new hotness and they had Russell Wilson and they went to two Super Bowls and they had the Legion of Boom. And you know what? Those days are over and you suck. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to close this show off with all of that negativity we just spewed off at you. Hope you like the top 12 of our top 24 Dynasty QBs. I guess before I officially close it off, because we kind of ignored it, do any of the other rookie quarterbacks make that 10, 11, 12 break for you guys? That'll be the last statement before we wrap it. Uh, for me, they don't. But it, Justin Fields is really close. I think I had him. We can talk about that. If he's not there, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Oh, for sure. I'd say no for me. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think I'm right there with you. I think they're right after that 12th break for me. So we'll wrap it up. This is the FPO podcast. Follow me at Kane Rob, K-A-Y-N-E-R-O-B. Follow Sam at, what is it now? You keep changing it on me. So what is it? I just, I'm not satisfied yet, but I think this one's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's Sam, Daryl, BFF. I don't know, man. Maybe it's fine. Maybe I'll change next week. <laughs> Who knows? Mine's nice and simple. Tanner Larson 11. There it is. That's it. Give us a follow. And then actually stay tuned because I brought it up to Sam. Tanner's hearing it right now. But we're going to be doing a signed autographed, same word, I guess, autographed Warren Moon jersey giveaway for our followers, for our listeners. Give us some retweets. Start following because we got that giveaway coming up in the very near future. Peace out. Have a good one. Bye. See you. Bye-bye.